The entire previous parak was focused on taruvas, mixtures of forbidden items, forbidden foods together with permitted foods, and how and when the forbidden foods would be nullified would be bottle in the mixture with permitted foods. The vast majority of the third and final parak will also discuss taruvas, although it will be more focused on the stringencies involved and cases where bitl nullification does not apply. Now, whereas the previous parak went very off topic, and barely discussed Orla, rather it discussed many different Taruvas. Most of the Mishnahis of this parak do keep to the subject of Orla, although the laws which are taught would equally apply to other forbidden items. Now, as we learned in the first parak of the Masechta, it's forbidden not only to eat Orla, but also even to benefit from Orla. And therefore, any fruit which grow during the third year of a tree, the first three years of a tree, those fruit need to be burnt. Now the Gemara learns out of Pasukim that even benefit which is not tangible, such as the appearance of something, even that is benefit which is forbidden to get from Arla. And therefore, Beged Shetzvoi Beklipe Arla. An item of clothing which was dyed with Orla shells. Often the shells of pomegranates and walnuts were used for dyeing. And we learned in the first parak that even the shells of fruit are forbidden when it comes to Arla. So if somebody used these shells in order to dye a item of clothing, so even though the only benefit gained from this is the appearance of the clothing, it doesn't contribute to the warmth which the garment gives or anything else. It's an intangible benefit which is just based on appearance, on how the item of clothing looks. Nevertheless, Yedolik, the entire garment needs to be burnt, since even that benefit is forbidden when it comes to Orla. Now the truth is the Gemara does not learn that every intangible benefit is forbidden. It is actually quite specific to this case, where the benefit gained from Orla used for dyeing, although that is intangible, and we usually don't consider intangible benefits to be real benefits. Nevertheless, the Gemara learns that in a case of dying, that is still forbidden when it comes to Orla. Now the halacha is that midirabonon, a dover choshev, which is something which is important and significant, something like that can never be nullified. Nullification by definition means that it's not significant, and it's nullified in the rest, but if it's something which is significant, then that goes against the entire principle of nullification, of bittel, and therefore dover choshev cannot be bottle. It can't be nullified. Now we're going to learn towards the end of this perek an argument as to what exactly is considered do- dover choshev. According to the chachomim, there are only six things which are considered so significant that they can't be nullified, but most things can be nullified, and it has to be very, very significant and of big importance for it not to be nullified. On the other hand, Rabbi Meir holds that a Dover Choshev encompasses more things, and one example of that is something which is a Dover Minyan, and a Dover Minyan is something which is sold in an exact number. Something that you would never sell as an estimation. You would never sell somebody approximately X amount of that item. Rather, you'd make sure to sell him an exact number. Something like that is considered important and significant, such that according to the mayor, it cannot be bottle. Now, one example of that is an item of clothing. And so according to the mayor, an item of clothing can never be bottled. So in its Arav Ba'achirim, if this item of clothing, which was dyed with Ola dyes, and is therefore forbidden to benefit from, and you're not sure which of the garments there is the forbidden one, says the Mishnah, Kulami Dolku all of the items of clothing there in the mixture need to be burnt, according to Rabbi Meir, even if there were, let's say, a thousand more permitted garments than forbidden one, a garment can never be bottled, and therefore they all need to be burnt. On the other hand, it can be nullified one in 200, so if there are 200 other garments there, then it would be nullified according to the Chachomim. 
Mishnah base. A similar machlokes between the Chachamim and Rabbi Meir. Hatsuveam lo hasit, one who dyes a thread, which is the length of a sit. A sit is the length between one's middle finger and the index finger, the second finger. So if you separate those two fingers apart as much as you can, the difference between the tops of those two fingers, the length between them, that is called a sit. And that length of thread is considered to be a significant length of thread. So if somebody dyes a thread of that length, Beklipe Orla, with Orla shells and then Vayrogoba Beged, he wove that thread in the item of clothing. And that thread is mixed with the entire item of clothing and he's not sure which thread it is. The Eyadur Ezehu is not sure, it's not known which of the threads is that forbidden thread. So we've got the same Achleikah, Shabi Meir, Meir Meir says to Dalek HaBeged, the item of clothing needs to be burnt, because although it's very likely that there are 200 times more permitted threads than this one small forbidden thread, nevertheless, according to Shabi Meir, any part of clothing can never be nullified, and therefore the entire clothing has to be burnt. On the other hand, it's nullified one in 200, and therefore if there are at least 200 other permitted threads, then the item of clothing is indeed permitted. Now the reason why the Mishnah brought both of these cases is because Mishnah Aleph was emphasizing the Chachon's opinion that even an entire piece of clothing, even that can be nullified. Whereas this Mishnah, Mishnah base, is more emphasizing Rabbi Meir's opinion that even one tiny thread cannot be nullified, and so that is why, says the Rambam, we have both of these cases which the Mishnah brings. Mishnah Gimel, now we do go slightly off topic of Orla to discuss other prohibited items. Ha'orig hasit, one who weaves the length of the thread, which is a sit, which as we said is the length between the middle finger and the index finger when they are spread out. But he weaves a thread which came from the wool of a firstborn animal, babeged, he weaves that thread into a item of clothing. There's a mitzvah in the Torah that one's firstborn animal needs to be brought as a korban on the mizbeach. However, if it has a wound, then it needs to be given to a kohen. Now, either way, whether it has a wound or not, it's forbidden for the original owner to shear that sheep, to cut off its wool. And in fact, if you do cut off any of its wool, it's midjabonon forbidden to benefit from that wool. And therefore, if you do benefit from that by weaving a thread from that wool into an item of clothing, so if you're not sure which thread it is, then you're habeged, the entire item of clothing needs to be burnt. Now, according to many, this is only true when it comes to a firstborn which has been wounded. And therefore, instead of being brought as a korban, it is given to Koyanim. But when it comes to a Bukhur, a firstborn which is brought as a korban, that will come under the category of korbanos, which we'll have at the end of this Mishnah, and we'll see that the law is more strict in that case. Continues the Mishnah, what happens if somebody weaves a thread which comes from Sa'ar It comes from the hair of a Nazir. A Nazir is somebody who accepts upon himself certain restrictions, and one of those is that he is not allowed to cut any of his hair. Now, when his period of Nazirus ends, then the Torah says that he actually has to shave off all of his hair, and that has to be burnt, and it's forbidden to benefit from that hair. Now, if somebody does take a strand of that hair and weaves it into a garment, well, it's forbidden to benefit from that hair. And the same applies to the hair or the wool of Umepeter Hachamur, the redemption of a firstborn donkey. Although, in general, the law of a Bukhur, of a firstborn being brought as a korban or given to Kayanim, that only applies to kosher animals, one exception to that is the donkey. A firstborn donkey does have a certain level of sanctity, and that sanctified status needs to be redeemed with a sheep. 
So the sanctity is transferred from the donkey onto the sheep. And the halacha is that if the owner does not redeem it onto a sheep, then the donkey's neck is broken and the donkey is killed. Now it's forbidden to benefit from that donkey's hair, or really from the entire donkey. So what happens if somebody does take a thread from the hair of a donkey and he uses it basak, he weaves it onto a sack, the hair of a donkey and the hair of a nozzle was usually not used for items of clothing, but they could be used for a sack. So once again, Idolika sack, the sack needs to be burnt since it's forbidden to benefit from the hair of a nozzle or the hair of a donkey which was killed for the sake of it being a firstborn. Now the Mishnah ends off with the case we referenced before, Uvamukdoshin. When it comes to something which is sanctified for the Beis Hamikdash, and although this often means Karbonus, we're actually going to understand it to mean over here, the way that Yerushalmi explains it, and that is that it refers to Kodjebedek Habayis, which refers to really anything which is designated to the Beis Hamikdash, so not just Karbonus, you can really designate anything to the Beis Hamikdash, and whatever you designate to the Beis Hamikdash gains sanctity, and it can't be used, and until somebody, either the original owner or somebody else, redeems that onto money. So they would basically pay the Beis Hamikdash money, and the sanctity of that item would be transferred to the money, and whoever paid for it would get that item, and he can use it for his own needs. Now there's a very important rule when it comes to bittel analification. And that is that Dolosheshlematirin, something which is forbidden, but there's a way to remove its prohibition. Something like that cannot be nullified, because nullification is a solution to prevent the rest of the mixture becoming forbidden. But since there's a different solution, so nullification doesn't work. So in the case of Hekdash, of something which belongs to the Beis Hamikdash, as we just described, there's a simple solution. Redeem the sanctity of the item onto money, and then the item becomes like a regular item which does not have sanctity, and it's not forbidden. So since hektush, at least this type of hektush, is a dovashiyash lematirin, the Mishnah says, mekachin kol shahain, they forbid a mixture, or in this case they would forbid the garment, regardless of how small the thread is. So if you have a thread which is designated to the base hamikdash, even if it's smaller than the length of a sit, even if it's just a tiny thread, since it can be redeemed, so you can remove the forbidden status in a different way, we do not remove it by saying it's nullified, and therefore until you do redeem it, the entire item of clothing will be forbidden to benefit from. Mishnah Dalad, we're going to see in this Mishnah a sort of benefit, which I might have thought is not really considered a benefit, because no taste is given off, it only really changes the form of something, but doesn't take away or add anything, but nevertheless the Mishnah is going to show us that that is considered a benefit. Tavshil Shabishla Beklipe Orla, a cooked dish which was cooked using Orla shells, meaning somebody set fire to Orla shells, and that is what cooked this dish, this food, says the Mishnah Yedolik, the food needs to be burnt. And the reason is what the Gemara calls Yeshvach Eitzim Pas. The bread, or in this case the cooked dish, contains within it benefit gained from the wood. Meaning the wood, or in this case the Orla shells, the benefit which they give to the food, namely cooking it, that is considered a benefit, even though it's not really adding anything tangible to it, it's just changing its form. By cooking it, nevertheless, it is considered a benefit, and therefore whatever is cooked by it needs to be burnt. And furthermore, if that food is mixed with other food, and you're not sure which one is the forbidden one, according to everybody, even Rabbi Meir, it is nullified one in, in 200, just like regular Orla, because Rabbi Meir agrees that this is not a case of a Dorachoshev, an important or significant item. Rather, it's just a piece of food, it's a cooked dish, and it's not considered significant, and therefore it can be nullified, so the regular rules of 1 in 200 for Orla apply in this case as well.